Bible teaches that there is a God and He is perpetually, eternally the God of new beginnings, of fresh starts and clean slates. And so we are invited by faith to let go of yesterday, whatever it is that happened, whatever you lost, whatever you got wrong, to embrace this day, to take a deep breath because it is God's Spirit breathing inside you with the gift of life and lift up your heart and embrace this day. So I want to talk to you for a few moments now about what matters most, especially if life may be difficult or you may be suffering or grieving or in a loss or know somebody that is. I had a friend come over yesterday and he brought a bottle that was labeled um, pessimism. And on the back of the label, uh, it had their little tagline, a pessimist is never disappointed. And I want to think with you today about whether you will embrace pessimism or optimism. And I don't mean in a chirpy way about some particular set of outcomes or circumstances. I mean, how do you understand life and existence and meaning and ultimate destiny? Is that a good story or is it not a story at all? We're walking through Genesis, and I'll get to Genesis in just a little bit, but there is another way of looking at the big story in our day. It's quite prominent and generally pessimistic, and often there's an idea that pessimism is somehow um, more sophisticated or more intellectual than cosmic optimism. So this is from the New York Times this past month by a science writer, Dennis Overby, and the headline is, Who Will Have the Last Word on the Universe? That's an interesting question. The subhead says, Modern science suggests that we and all our achievements and memories are destined to vanish like a dream. Is that sad or good? Well, I actually think that would not be a difficult question. And I think it is worth asking, does modern science actually suggest that? He goes on. The end is coming, maybe 100 billion years. Is it too soon to start freaking out? There will be a last sentient being. There will be a last thought, declared Jana Levine, a cosmologist at Barnard College near the end of A Trip to Infinity, a new Netflix documentary. When I heard that statement during a showing of the film recently, it broke my heart. It was the saddest, loneliest idea I had ever contemplated. Pessimist is never disappointed, except maybe. I thought I was aware and knowledgeable about our shared cosmic predicament, namely, that if what we think we know about physics and cosmology is true, life and intelligence are doomed. I thought I had made some kind of intellectual peace with that, but this was an angle I hadn't thought of before. At some point in the future, there will be somewhere in the universe where there will be a last sentient being and a last thought. And that word, no matter how profound or mundane, will vanish into silence, along with the memory of Einstein and Elvis, Jesus, Buddha, Aretha, and Eve, while the remaining bits of the physical universe go on sailing apart for billions upon billions upon billions of lonely, silent years. Now, I could not speak for Einstein, whose views of eternity and God are pretty complicated, but Elvis, Jesus, Buddha, Aretha, and Eve would all be a bit surprised to find out that there was going to be a last sentient being. 
Will that last thought be a profound pearl of wisdom, he writes, an expletive? And he explores this a bit in the article. And then he goes on to say, but rather than whine about the end of time, notice he doesn't say grieve or lament. Why would you not grieve or lament? Rather than whine about it, most of the physicists and astronomers I talk to say the notion is a relief. The death of the future frees them to concentrate on the magic of the moment. But why? Where does science tell us that the death of any future frees us to focus on the magic, which does not seem like a very scientific term, of this present moment? What if we knew the end was five minutes away? Would that free us? He finishes the article like this. No matter what happens in the endless eons to come, at least we were here for the party, for the brief shining sliver of eternity, when the universe teemed with life and light, we'll always have the Milky Way. Well, no, we won't. We'll always have something implies that we will always be around to have it. So that's one approach to the great cosmic story. Don't get your hopes up. Pessimists are never disappointed. That, uh, and the great tragedy of this, I think, and, and the reason that it can't nurture the soul is not simply that existence is uh, temporary. It's that it's meaningless. That, that it's one day, that one day when the last sentient being has passed away and life has ceased to exist, it will not have mattered at all whether you lived nobly or cruelly, in love or in narcissism, that there is not a moral arc to the universe which though long bends towards justice, the universe has no moral arc at all. That's one view. And you might be living in that story. We will choose the story that we live in. We don't get to know for certain. We don't uh, uh, get to become omniscient beings, but we will choose the story that we live. And there is a minority report in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth that the one who will have the last word on the universe is the one who had the first word on the universe in the beginning was the word that idea and meaning and sense are in fact what constructed existence as we know it. And part of where that idea beginning is so important is that it's saying that we live in a story, not an accident. And it had a beginning because it is headed somewhere. And I thought about this time in our journey together through Genesis, it would be good to mention that just as the first few chapters in the Bible tell us about the beginning, the last few chapters in the Bible, Revelation chapters 21 and 22, pick up all of those images, all of those symbols, and tell us about the end. Revelation 22, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Remember, the sea was an image in the ancient world of chaos and that which could be destructive. And, and now chaos will have been utterly defeated. There's gold, you might remember, in Eden. And in Revelation 21, it says that in the existence that is going to come, it will be so rich that the streets will be paved with gold. There will be shining beauty everywhere.
There was a river that flowed, you might remember, in Eden. Revelation 22, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. There was a tree of life in Genesis, and on each side of the river stood the tree of life. This is a tree standing on both sides of a river. This is quite a tree. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Quite a tree has a crop every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Even the leaves. Could the nations use a little healing? That day is coming. No longer will there be any curse. Been a curse way back in Genesis chapter 3. No longer. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever. Let them exercise dominion, God says in Genesis. And that day is coming. So the invitation to you today is embrace the story that your existence and this universe is not an accident and it will not wink out into bleak nothingness, but it has meaning. So you hold on. Don't you give up. Um, Say a word or two about uh, Tim Keller. I mentioned recently his passing. A friend of mine, Bill Vogie, who's a real big part of the Fellowship of the Withered Hand, was on a board with Tim and he talked about what a joyful person Tim was. And the one time he told Tim that he was going bankrupt because Bill's wife, Jamie, is not only buying Tim's sermons at three bucks a pop, but also now buying sermons of uh, kind of protege of Tim's, Rankin Wilborn, who's another uh, good friend and part of our little community. And um, so now she's listening to both of those sermons. It's costing me too much money. And Bill said, Tim looked at him and said, whose sermons does she listen to first? In the uh, obituary of Tim that was in the Wall Street Journal quite recently, the writer talks about how Tim said when he was going through his first bout of cancer, I think it was thyroid cancer, and had to go through surgery maybe 20 years ago now before eventually the pancreatic cancer that would take his life, when he was about to go through anesthesia, uh, he rooted his mind in a statement from J.R.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings, when Sam Ganges faces the greatest danger and he suddenly realizes that the shadow is only a small and passing thing and it is unable to touch the light and high beauty that will last forever. The shadow is only a small and passing thing. And then Tim went on to say that what he realized through this is, if the Bible is true, the whole universe is a universe of joy, of glory, of life. On earth, we're stuck in this tiny little speck of darkness. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, even that darkness someday is going to be taken away. In the end, the shadow is only a small and passing thing. There is light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. End of teaching. Beginning of your day with God.
Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a part of the team here at Become New. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 855-888-0444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.